Greetings and welcome to Polson Foursquare Church. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins and I'm happy that you've joined us today. This year of 2023, our focus is Together on Mission. In our teaching throughout this year, we will talk much about how we are all called to be a missional church and a missional people. Colossians 4, 2 through 6 are our theme verses that speak about being a people of prayer and of preparedness and how we are to go out and be witnesses to those around us in our everyday life. So today as we study God's word together, I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you through these messages and pray that you'll be blessed by our podcast teachings and that you'll be edified and enriched in God's word. Thank you and may God bless you all. How come there's so many churches that did Recapturing Christmas or... Well, anyway, this is not uh, stole from anyone else. This is me, right? <laughs> Recapturing Christmas, what does it mean? So looking up definition of recapture means the act of retaking something or being retaken. And the verb definition is to capture again or to take something or to experience again. So... Um, in relation to Christmas, I want us to recapture some of the important meanings or the significance of these Christmas stories because it kind of becomes, we kind of can tune out some things. We can tune out some meanings behind these scripture, uh, these stories in the Bible. And I, I just felt like I want to retake again or to experience again about not just what I know in my head, but the Holy Spirit would reveal something new to me. And I hope he will for you too, as we go through these things together. So Christmas is supposed to be uh, one of the most wonderful times of the year, so the songs say. And for some it truly is, while for others it can also be a hard time of the year for various reasons. Now especially for children, uh, Christmas can be sort of a uh, magical time of the year, filled with fun and awe and wonder and uh, excitement. I also have many fond memories as a child uh, at Christmas time with my family as well as with my own kids as they were growing up. And uh, we tried to make it special for our, our kids as well. Uh, but more than anything, I, I cherish our times together. Just our time together is even more valuable to me, even especially now, than it is just having gifts. Um, maybe you can think of times together at Christmas filled with awe and wonder yourself, or excitement, joy, joyful times leading up to Christmas, and that's what I hope we can also recapture some of the wonder, the excitement, the uh, what it all means. And so... I've also found in our family, we developed some uh, traditions and things for no good reason. <laughs> we just started doing things, and, uh, and now the kids will disown us if we don't do them or continue to do them. We never intended that way. Some are just weird, you know, like on Christmas Eve, we give each other a new pair of pajamas. So that's, uh, that's become... Uh, tradition, uh, as well as having uh, homemade clam chowder 
That's one of a weird tradition thing, baking cinnamon rolls on Christmas morning. And also a couple uh, Christmas movies that are must-see on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. Do you have those? Anyone else have those movies? It's a Wonderful Life is one of them. And also my favorite is Charlie Brown Christmas, the original one, of course. Uh, but uh, Christmas really, it's a lot of traditions, a lot of fun that we've created over the years, but it's more than just a story, isn't it? It's more than just traditions and such. Uh, but it should always come back to being about Jesus. It should always be about Jesus and his birth, and we try to always make sure that is our central focus also. And that's why I want to recapture some of these biblical meanings about some of the wonder and the mysteries about Jesus' birth and Christmas time. The truth is that with a child, for example, kids don't tend to overcomplicate things like adults do, do they? They just, you know, keep things simple. They don't uh, run everything through their so-called adult filters. Uh, and whereas many things can cloud our own vision when it comes to celebrating things such as uh, celebrating Christmas, the birth of Jesus, sometimes because of our, sometimes our, our, our filters are, are, are dirty, if you will. Our, our, our filters have been, yeah, been there, done that. And so we, we can kind of have that, that everything through life, we just filter through a lens, if you will, uh, that can cloud the vision of what God sometimes wants to do afresh in our lives. And I, I think that's what I'm praying, that God will just unfold for us again. Or, or I know Dr. Dan, I, I, he picks on me every once in a while that did I change the filter in the church furnace? And I'm like, uh-huh, I did. That might be a good thing to remember again. I think I did. I, <laughs> for all of you with allergies, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, think we, I think we changed them recently. Uh, it's just something I forget. If anyone wants to volunteer, it's up in the closet in the hallway, in, in the staircase. I'll, I'll show you how to do it. So, But uh, <laughs> he's shown me a couple times, Greg, look at this. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Uh, but doesn't that happen in our own lives sometimes because of our own filters, our own things that we've experienced and, and sometimes it, it does. Uh, and that's why I believe God is truly uh, a healer of those things in our life, that he can change us. Uh, again, just celebrating communion today, washing us a clean and anew uh, in that recognition of the blood of Jesus uh, opening my eyes, Lord, to see the awe and the wonder of who you are, God, always, every day for that matter, about your birth. And even um, the truth about revealing the uh, meaning of Christmas from God's word, may it always stay afresh, Allow that we don't allow things in life to cloud our vision or, or even just the busyness of this season of the year. We won't miss what God wants to, it won't distract us from uh, what God wants to um, do in our life, or even still any joy. Well, in this new series, I want to make sure we refocus that Jesus is the, is the purpose. He is the wonder of Christmas. 
He is first and foremost above all. So how do we continue to have awe and wonder of re-experiencing of, of that awe and that wonder with Jesus? Or if you have been disillusioned, you've been distracted by life and forgotten or lost interest in making, maybe, may this be an intentional time that you have with Jesus. Intentional time even every day. May it just re, recapture your own interest in that. You know, I, I think about when my kids were little um, and I would finally get home from a long day of work in, in construction and I would walk in the door and a lot of times my kids would run up to me, of course, little kids running up to me and I'd say, Daddy's home! And they'd come and give me a hug, you know. And, and, uh, and that was my welcome or they wanted to be picked up and Jill would say, thank God Greg is home, can you watch the kids for me? <laughs> and I would say, yes, honey, I would love to do that. But uh, over the years, as the kids uh, got older, then became teenagers, I started noticing that I didn't get those welcome homes as much. Uh, they became distracted, uh, especially uh, teenagers. Uh, their reaction changed. You might say they got distracted. They got uh, focused on a lot of other things besides just daddy came home. Um, or if they did come running for me, uh, it was to ask for the car keys or some money to go out, right? <laughs> it was like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Um, and, uh, you know, they still come and, you know, they might, they might not do that. And now that, you know, in their adult years, we all just have our lives. All of us have busyness, and, and that's why, I, again, you know, Thanksgiving, you know, times that, that we can have together are, are fun. But that's also, that's also why I, I got dogs, because they still love me no matter what. <laughs> they always welcome me, you know, they want to, they still jump on me, and it makes me feel good. So, <laughs> my point is, is uh, to, to emphasize how we can become uh, distracted in life from what really matters most and uh, miss the true meaning of Christmas. But may we always keep a heart of awe and wonder at the birth of Jesus. My observation is that it can be easy as followers of Christ to check out or even become sometimes cynical regarding Christmas, uh, which is meant to be celebrated and proclaiming uh, the gift of Jesus to us, his birth, but also not just his birth, but we always recognize you can't celebrate the birth of Jesus without recognizing why he came and his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Uh, and this is the time we should celebrate and why he came in the first place. It's also true that many people have allowed themselves perhaps to become jaded um, over the years as they begin to see the harsh side of life and realize it's not as easy as it was being a kid, right? Not as easy. And that's why uh, my must-see Christmas movie is Charlie Brown Christmas. You know, the Charlie Brown Christmas movie is, is a, a reminder to me, even back in when it was fir first came out in, in 1965. Uh, Charlie Brown in that story, if you don't know it, if you, I'm sorry you don't know that movie, but... Let me uh, replay it for you. Just uh, Charlie Brown became uh, disillusioned why so many, even his own sister, was so caught up in the materialistic world. And so the materialism of Christmas, and he was just like, you know, that, 
Why don't you get it? Why don't you see, you know, it's not what Christmas is all about. And so then they asked him to be the director of their school play. Uh, and then they asked him to go get a Christmas tree. And of course, you know the Christmas, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas tree. He brought the Christmas tree and they all scoffed and they all laughed at him. And, and uh, you know, you blockhead Charlie Brown, you know, <laughs> you did it again. You messed up again. Um, and so... And then he walked away, just discouraged. And that's when uh, Linus got up and he read from Luke chapter 2. Uh, how many Christmas movies actually have that in it? You know, uh, especially this cartoon, Charlie Brown uh, Christmas. They line up, uh, Linus quoted from Luke chapter 2, and then at the end he said, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And I always love that part of the movie. That's one of my favorite lines of the whole movie. Uh, that's what Christmas should be, that we all are captivated once again. That's what Christmas is all about. Remember that part. Over the years, I've loved reading uh, many of uh, Max Lucado's book. Anyone ever read his, his books? They're just short little stories most of the time. And, and he wrote this in reference to Christmas. He said, Jesus humbled himself. He went from commanding angels to sleeping on straw, from holding stars to celebrating or to clutching Mary's finger, and the palm that held the universe took the nail, a Roman soldier. Why? Because that's what love does. You know, that's just a simple way to look at uh, Christmas, and, and uh, the truth is that his birth, his first advent, his first coming to us, or his arrival, is a significant part of our faith that we put in Jesus. His entry into this world is so important because he came here in the form of a baby to live that life that you and I could not live, that sinless life. To then die on the cross for me, and I personalize that. I always try to personalize that. For me, I could not do that than to die on the cross in my place and, of course, be buried and rise again from the dead. He fulfilled so many ancient prophecies in the Old Testament, proving that he, God still keeps his word. He still keeps his promises over and over and over. My encouragement to you is that while we all do age and hopefully uh, also grow with wisdom and knowledge with that, uh, that we never lose that childlike faith, that we always keep that first and foremost, that it's time to be Refreshed. It's time to recapture the awe and the wonder of Christmas again, my friends. And, and as followers of Jesus, we have a great expectation. And the Bible reveals to us uh, incredible mysteries and wonders and vision and hope and joy and, and just the witness of Christmas. That's going to be uh, some of our titles throughout this month that we're going to look at this month leading up to uh, Christmas and so as you study his word, as you study it and approach Christmas season, may you sense the joy and the awe and the wonder and be renewed regarding what Jesus has done for you and me by, by him entering this world as a baby in a lowly stable. You and I cannot ask for a better Christmas gift than knowing Jesus and experiencing his love and his forgiveness for ourselves. So um, just like Charlie Brown asked, uh, do we know what Christmas is all about? Well, one story I want to read from you, if you turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 2, 
This is the, the story of the, the Magi, the wise men we often call them. I don't want to read through these, uh, this first section here down to verse 12. Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 says, And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. Verse 7. And when Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And after he, they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and frankincense and myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Father God, I ask that as we have read your word, Lord, will you speak to us even just new revelation to this again about just uh, recapturing again who you are and what you did. And even in this account, Lord, that it may speak to each of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. My first uh, point in this story in recognizing just the Magi and, and them searching for Jesus is uh, this, that uh, Christmas is about seeking God's presence. And why, you know, they were following a star, but there's a lot of significance behind the star that was more than just an actual star, you know. Uh, so reading this passage, we can uh, recapture again what the Magi came looking for and what did they do to make it happen. So it says that after the birth of Jesus, uh, in the time of King Herod. Now the Magi came from the east, it said. Uh, we don't know exactly uh, where that was. We don't exactly know how long it took them to get there. Um, but it could have actually taken over two years for them to finally arrive. And uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you if you put up your nativity, such as we have here, and set the decorations out, um, because the wise men were probably not there at the same time. Same with the drummer boy. The little drummer boy probably wasn't there. So just in case, in case you have that, uh, we should just take them off of that. And bring him back a couple years later, but um, it it would just mess up the whole nativity thing. But we know the shepherds showed up right away. 
uh, because they were the first told, and so that's accurate. Uh, and Mary and Joseph are accurate. Uh, angels are accurate, but the Magi was later on. <laughs> so, but it's okay. It's okay to imagine uh, what it looked like, but none of us know for sure even what the manger, what the stable looked like. Was it a, uh, a cave? What, you know, there's a lot of speculation even in uh, Bethlehem today. And I've heard of folks that have actually gone to where it was supposed to be and they've made a, sh a church over this spot and they said this is where, where it was. And of course, they still don't know exactly either. Uh, but traditionally, these uh, were called the Magi or wise men or... Uh, we three kings of Orion are. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it could have been kings. Um, but in the story, we find a couple responses to Jesus' birth. The first response of the Magi uh, was good. You know, was good. Uh, but the second part that was not good was King Herod's response. Some came looking for, they came looking for Jesus but also others did not come looking for Jesus and had other intentions um, to do away with him. What's even more interesting is the reason uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the first place uh, was because Mary and Joseph had to go there because they were required to go there of the line of David uh, to register. You saw, find this in Luke chapter 2, register um, Basically, uh, go there because they were going to be taxed more by the Roman government. So God used ungodly worldly leadership to fulfill prophecy. Isn't that interesting? When we live in times that we do with ungodly leadership, for example, God even uses the righteous and the unrighteous at times to fulfill his purposes. That's hard to imagine at times, but that's exactly because uh, what happened? They were, they were led there. And it says the Magi came from the east. So it was not a quick trip for them. They didn't just get in their on their camel and, and go fast. You know, it, was, it was a long trip, a long time for them to get there. It was likely uh, took them months uh, to get there or perhaps even over a year or two to get there. So these Magi were... Uh, Likely scholars, astrologers that studied the stars, um, but they're probably royalty as well, the, of royal descent. Um, and so they saw this unusual star and they were drawn to it. They knew it was more than just an star, but they were, they, they were drawn to it. Um, and so this unusual star represented something more important that they were drawn to. And so this star was different than anything they had, and they were fascinated by it. There's something different about that, that, that I know there's a, a purpose with this star, what it represents. In fact, in verse 9, it says it moved and it stopped over the place where Jesus was. So it actually just kind of disappeared, and then reappeared because they were overjoyed because they saw it again and they they it, it appeared where Jesus was some bible scholars believe it was actually the shekinah glory of god rather than just a, a real star represented similar to the israelites going through the wilderness and the the 
the pillar of fire at night and the cloud during the day, that they were led by this, this cloud, this glory of God. And so it's very likely that it was that. Uh, similar to the presence of God in those cases with the Israelites. And so they followed more than a star, but they were being led by the very presence of God. When asked about the meaning of Christmas, people will often say all kinds of stuff, you know, time of Santa Claus, you know. Um, but most often you hear people say it has to do with giving, you know, there's there's giving, you know, this is a time in the season of the year that we, we try to recognize giving. And it is. Why? Because of the greatest gift given to us all, the gift of Jesus. And so it could be distorted because of all the materialism, right? But the gift of Jesus, God came to us. He came near. He is Emmanuel, God with us, as we sang today. Christmas is more than just a past reality. Christmas is a miracle about the birth and the incarnation of Christ. But what is it to us presently right now? What is it? Just as we took communion this morning, I mentioned John 6 and talking about, do we hunger after materialism? Do we hunger after the, the worldly things? Or are we truly hungering for more of God? And I think that's what this is getting at. And the, the, the more to this story is that I do desire the presence of God. I desire him to speak to me through the pages of this book that it may always speak revelation to me and to you as well. That is, uh, when we worship here Sunday mornings, we're welcoming his presence with us. That he now lives within us. The, the glory of God, the holy of holies that as the Israelites went through, is now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in those who believe. And the same Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. That's hard to imagine. That's hard to think about. God, your Spirit lives in me. Your power, your, your glory of God, you live inside of me. But it doesn't mean we always live by the Spirit, does it? <laughs> We need to be led by the Spirit rather than just by our flesh. And so even Christians still live carnal lives. And so it's always that, that daily recognition. I don't want to live by my, my flesh, but I want to live by that Spirit, by your Spirit and walk with your Spirit as Galatians 5 tells us. But uh, Christmas is about seeking the presence of God. God became flesh. He dwelt among us. He is and still is, was and still is Emmanuel, God with us. He draws us to himself to be found by him, to be saved and to have that relationship with Father God, with God, the creator of this universe. Jesus said in John 6 verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on that last day. So that scripture actually notes that God the Father, he draws us to his son, Jesus. He draws us to him. And Romans chapter 2 tells us it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. God is always wooing us to himself. He's drawing us to himself. Uh, perhaps at times in your life you've ran from that. Anyone else run from that? I didn't want that. I I, I felt drawn to God, but you know what? I refused him. 
I rejected him, but there came a day where I finally came to my senses like the prodigal son. But God is patient with us. It says in 2 Peter 3, 9, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance and eternal life. So the Father draws us to himself. And so if you, if you did resist the Father uh, drawing you at some point, obviously you did finally come to that place where you said yes, yes to Jesus. That's your story. That's your testimony. He changed me from the mess. Now I have a message. Now I have that prophecy that we, we talked about today. God the Father wants us all to receive him in the same presence his same presence that was there with the, the star, with the glory of God is right here. And he lives within us and he wants us, he wants to use us. So just like the Magi were drawn to God, we are still able to find him. Secondly is the Christmas is about worship. So it says the Magi, they came because they were looking to worship this new king. How did they know that? It doesn't really talk about that in the story. How did they know that he was a new king? Uh, that part, we'll have to just imagine. They came because they knew it represented. Maybe God spoke to him himself. Uh, how did they know that? God likely revealed it to them, and so they asked, where is the one who is born king of the Jews? They went to Herod because they wanted to know... You're the, you're the king. I mean, where's this new king? And he's like, huh? <laughs> he didn't like to hear that. He said, we saw the star. We've come to worship him. And they didn't only come because they were seeking this star, but they came for what it represented. We came because we're not just, you know, oh, I, I need to set up an observatory here so we can have this star, you know. We're not, we're not worshiping stars. We're worshiping the one it represents. And they came by, led by the presence of God to find this king so that they can literally bow down and worship him. Most likely they, they weren't Jewish descent, but they were Gentiles. So the cool thing about this, there's so much in this story that you may just read over and, and miss. I mean, the whole story, even the shepherd's story what they represent, shepherds were considered unclean people. Who did Jesus reveal the birth to? The unclean people. The messy. The very first ones the angelic announcement came to was the shepherds. But also, he, he revealed it to Gentiles. To these, likely these Gentile kings or, or, or whatever they were. The magi. Proving that he came uh, there is no partiality with God, but he came for all people. So it's interesting how these Gentiles were showing, uh, showing up in this story, and there's, there's no partiality with God. That's Romans chapter 2, verse 11. So um, he's the God of the Jew and of the Gentile. Now, when King Herod heard this, what was his response to that? He was greatly disturbed, it says. That he was actually, it says, he was shaken in this moment. Not only that, but it says all of Jerusalem as well. So when King Herod heard this and then all of the other people heard this, they're like, uh, what? 
So no one knew what they were talking about. And then Herod called the, together some of the religious leaders. They asked them, okay, where is, this, where is Jesus, the Messiah, your Messiah, supposed to be born? And of course, they immediately knew uh, the scripture reference in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And then they quoted that. He, is born, he will be born in Bethlehem. So they knew all the references. They knew of anyone they should have known was the religious people. They knew in part, but they missed it, didn't they? These religious knew the scriptures where the Messiah was to be born, but they missed it in its reality of happening right before their very eyes. Why didn't they see the star? Why are there no Pharisees and Sadducees that are in our nativity sets? Why were they not there? How could they have missed it? They knew all the scriptures backwards and forwards. Can you see the difference between them and the Magi in this story? Herod and the religious leaders didn't see Jesus, but the Magi came looking for him and they found him. You know, um, the Magi weren't led by religion. They simply came looking for the presence of God and to worship the one who it represented. They had a hunger. They had a desire to follow after uh, this new king. And they pursued him from a long distance. Whatever it took, they were going to get there. And they were there for the long haul. Isn't that what faith is all about? Our own faith is in it for the long haul. No matter what it costs me, no matter how long it takes to get there, I am devoted. I am going to get there. You know, when they finally found Jesus, it says that they fell down, they worshipped him, and they were so overjoyed in that. Now, I love to worship. I don't know about all y'all, but I love to I love to worship. Really, because it's just like I love the presence of God. I love being in the presence of God. Now, it doesn't have to be just on a Sunday morning, of course. It could be in your own living room. It can be every day. You know, even just saying, hallelujah, thank you, God, for another day. That's worship. We worship God in a lot of different ways besides just with a band. But we worship God every day, and that's a choice you have to make. Do you want to worship God in the morning, the very first words out of your mouth? God, I thank you for that it's morning again. Or you go, oh, thank God it's Thank you, God, another day, another morning, you know. It all depends on how you, what your perspective is, you know. Oh, God, it's morning again, you know. <laughs> if that's the way we look at it, we're, we're kind of missing out, I, I think. Yes, there's mornings we're tired, and I'm like, I don't want to get up, and I want to push the snooze over and over. Yes, but at the same time, may it be that we recognize Jesus and his, and his presence first and foremost. And so they're overjoyed. They they humbled themselves, they bowed down, and now Herod, on the flip side of that, on the other hand, um, he lied. He lied to the Magi. Let me also, won't you find out? Come back and tell me so that I may go and worship him. I want to go worship him, and that's exactly, uh, that was not truthful at all. He wanted to go there so he could kill the, the one and uh, he wanted to kill Jesus. In fact, Herod uh, ordered then all the male children under two, year, two years old to be executed because of that. 
because he wanted to wipe out anyone, any other child that it could have been. So Herod is actually a type uh, or picture of Satan himself. Using Herod as that example, Herod the Great that was, um, because Satan hates it when people worship Jesus, first of all. He hates everything about what God created, and he, Satan is only a counterfeit of everything that God creates, because Satan cannot create anything. He only distorts everything that God created. So everything you see that is distorted in our world today, even from the beginning, has come from Satan and his lies. And of course, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10 tells us that it represents, that's a type of what Herod was as well. But the end of the story in John 10, 10 is that I have come, Jesus said, to give life and life to its fullest, right? Doesn't end with that. But uh, he wants to do everything he can to keep people from worship. So he puts all kinds of things in our life of distractions, of discouragement, of deceptions, even of sickness, of pride perhaps, but even religion to keep us from true presence of God. Do you understand the difference between religion and the true presence of God? That sometimes our traditions, and sometimes I've heard from maybe your upbringing yourself, that I've heard uh, some church backgrounds believe tradition is equal to Scripture. And I'm like, ouch, no, it's not. Traditions of men is not equal to Scripture. This is God's holy word, and God spoke this, this is not my traditions of pajamas on Christmas Eve. I'm sorry, it's not equal to, worship, to, to God's word, right? It's not the same. Herod the Great was known as a very selfish and evil man. He was so disturbed about hearing about Jesus that he, he wanted to, to destroy anything that would be a threat to his kingdom. It said that he was appointed by uh, the Roman Senate. So he worked on behalf of the Roman government, and he was ruthless. He actually even murdered his own family. He murdered his wife, three of his sons, his brother-in-law, and his uncle, just to name a few. He rebuilt the temple, but he didn't do it for God. He did it for himself to make him look good for the Jewish people. Now, when he found out about Jesus, it scared him and he didn't want to lose any of those things that he had. I don't want to lose anything. I want to get rid of this person immediately. So he used deception, but it didn't work. And then he murdered all these uh, male, male children, which is also fulfillment of prophecy of Jeremiah. But the Magi did, in fact, find Jesus, and they were able to worship him. And later, it says that they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, but to depart a different way. Then lastly, uh, my last point is that Christmas is about freely giving. As you see in their story, what they did was they came seeking for the presence of God. They came to worship him, but... Uh, they recognize in their, their, just their gifts to Jesus are also recognized in that. Their greatest gift ever given is what we celebrate at Christmas time, the gift to us. The greatest gift of all 
If you want to look at giving, God. <laughs> look at God. God gave the greatest gift he could ever give. Our Messiah, who ha has come to be with us and to die, that we may have eternal life and to be with him forever and ever. That's the greatest gift of all. Because we have a giving God, he gave his very best so that we could have the greatest gift we could ever receive, which is his love, his grace, his forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. Jesus came to set the captives free and to destroy the works of the devil. And he did, and he still is. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when the Magi came, they worshipped him, they presented him with these gifts. They, they gave sacrificially. They gave of gold, of this frankincense and myrrh. And each had a, 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 a special significance to each of those three gifts as described. The gold represented a gift to a king. Uh, the frankincense was uh, incense for a deity. And the, the gift of myrrh were actually considered burial spices uh, for someone that was going to die. Why would you give that to someone at a... Don't ever give myrrh in a baby shower. That's the worst thing you could ever do. <laughs> we don't do that today, right? Like, what are you trying to say about my child? <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not thinking like they would have thought back then. But that was very, uh, that was very special significance. Thank you. Thank you for these gifts. Uh, even this myrrh, you know, he's going to die someday. But they indicated they were also from uh, royalty as well. Or they brought them maybe representing royalty from where they came from. You know, they maybe told stories to their city and they all took a collection and, and brought it to, to give to Jesus. But these were precious and costly gifts, yet they freely gave them to Jesus. And so someone they didn't know, they gave these gifts, yet they knew just enough. They knew just enough, and they were already spoken to probably by God, like, oh, we, we have to come. We have to give this to the parents. Uh, nor do we always see the representation of the gifts that we give, do we? Do we honestly see that? But God knows it. He sees it. And when we give sacrificially, it says that he secretly rewards us. Same thing with our prayers. Whatever you do give, whether it be your prayers or your time or your, your resources, your money, God sees it. And so unlike the Pharisees that would broadcast it before everyone, hey, look at everybody, I'm, I'm depositing this into the treasury at the temple to get recognition. And he says, that person, that was their little bit of reward right there. See that little recognition they got? You know, and sometimes we do that. And sometimes I, I, I think that, um, you know, Christians are the best givers in the world, honestly. They are. They are the best givers uh, in the world because of what Jesus did for us. Because I see a lot of times my activities with different organizations in the world, and, and sometimes people will pitch in, you know, five, twenty, a hundred bucks, and they're like, "Woo, wow!" You know, and I'm just like, you know, 
And they, they, and I'm like, same thing with Jesus. This is like, that's their treasure right there. That little, you know, and scrolling down on the screen or in the in the little bulletin, like, oh, they're in the they're in the bronze club or the gold club or whatever they're they're in. Maybe you'll even get a plaque on the wall. There's so much more to giving than just my my name up in lights, you know, that I'm doing that because Jesus sees what we do sacrificially. He sees what we give. And uh, with the Magi, he's reckon, they're recognized forever because of what they did, the sacrifice they made. Even coming across that desert or that wilderness to get there, that was huge. Giving is so much and very much a part of our worship and faith to God. And we give of things like tithes and offerings. We give them always in mind. You're giving them not just to keep the lights on or to pay salary or to pay for this building or whatever. It's I'm giving it as unto the Lord. I always want to think that and recognize that. We give as unto the Lord, and God sees what you do in secret. So to, to some, in just whatever capacity that you can give, I never, ever, ever, ever turn down a volunteer. Um, with all kinds of opportunities within... You know, our church family here, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can serve using your gifts and your talents to do that. But God may also challenge you in different ways in your giving. And, on, you know, that's, that's important. God will always challenge you in this, you know, putting your trust in the Lord. And uh, it could be in giving tithes and offerings for the first time and trusting in Him. And Jill and I have definitely grown in our own giving since we were first married and, and we love to give. We love to open our home to people. It's just something that we've always loved to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 11. This is a great scripture to know about giving. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now to he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Such a great reminder, not just at Christmas time, not just that, but also may we have a generous heart of giving throughout the year. And one thing I can say confidently that you can never, ever, ever outgive God. Even if you were to empty your bank account today and give it all to God. God sees that, and he will reward you for that. That's what I mean. God sometimes challenges me, and I'm like, Lord, I already gave, you know. And, and sometimes even, you know, ringing the bell, and I hope, I hope some of you will take an hour to do that next Saturday. When you're ringing the bell, and some, some people will come by, and they'll pull out their lint or, you know, and a couple coins and throw it in the, in the thing. And, and some people will say, oh, I gave a dollar at Walmart just about an hour ago. And I'm like, all right, you know, 
You know, I mean, but what's a dollar? I mean, that's nothing. You know, it's, that God would create in you a generous heart uh, of giving. I can never outgive God. God is generous and giving God, and and He does know what you need. Also, He always knows what you need. And so, it's the woman who gave the very last two coins, he said, and that's when he also recognized the Pharisee that was you know blabbering to everyone what he was giving, but then he said, but that woman, that woman, that widow that had nothing, gave her last two coins. They call it the widow's mite. You can actually look it up. You can actually find them. You can buy one, in fact, because they were considered less than a penny, you know, that, that they're putting into the, the offering. She gave out of her need. Guess who got recognized? Not the Pharisee, it was the woman who gave literally her last two coins to God in faith that he was going to recognize that. You know what? She's been recognized forever. She's recognized forever for that in that biblical account. But also, I think God also took care of her right then too. You know, she probably went home and who knows? Her cupboards could have been full. We give in faith with cheerful hearts to God, and he sees what we give and rewards us in different ways. And so most of all today, will you receive him? Will you receive once again? Just uh, recapturing Christmas, recapturing through this story, for example. Will you allow Jesus in his presence into your life? Or perhaps once again to recapture, be captured again by that same love, by that same desire to hunger and thirst for God. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, and you will be satisfied. Guess what? When it was talking about don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own, what does he say? Seek first what? Righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Like the Magi, seek after him, worship him, and freely give with cheerful hearts, and see, just see, I hope that you'll tell testimonies during this Christmas time. If there's a testimony on a Sunday morning you want to share, this is what I'm, I, God's showing me again and just recapturing this Christmas time, then I would love you to get up and share that, little, that testimony to someone up here because you have something to share, not just me. You have something to give and to share, and I, I, I think you'll find great joy in that as well. So just watch and see what God's going to do. Amen? Amen? Father God, I do thank you for this reminder, this, this uh, being refreshed, of re-experiencing, again, this story of just so much, more than just what's written on these pages, but Lord, as we unfold, as we unfold what happened there and just consider so much in, in stories like this, uh, that, Lord, you speak to us by your Holy Spirit, revealing to us, Lord, uh, perhaps I've been distracted. I've been, uh, I've been there, done that. I've lost interest. But, Lord God, may we again hear your Holy Spirit speaking to us. May, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, to trust in you, perhaps. Lord, I, I've lost sight of of trusting you and believing you and, and seeing your, you working in my life. But may it be, Lord, that we do put our trust in you. And perhaps it is giving of time or giving of, of even our finances, Lord, unto you. Lord, it doesn't mean that you need that. It just means that 
that's part of how we can show our, our trust in you in a tangible way. Lord, that our faith would be represented in, in what we do also. But also more than that, it's just that our faith would be increased during this time. And we would be able to see you. We would hunger and thirst for righteousness and you will satisfy us. And give us that, that joy once again during this season. We thank you for it. Thank you for being born on this earth and walking in our shoes. Lord, if anyone here today or perhaps watching online has never made that decision to follow you as Savior and Lord, then Lord, I do. I receive this gift of your forgiveness, the washing of my, away of my sin by your blood. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. I recognize I have fallen short of your glory. But Lord, in that, you have also freely given to me that I may receive from you. Receive the gift of life, of forgiveness, of eternal life and salvation. That I, I have to put my trust in You draw us all. You call us all by name. And you're drawing us just as says in John 6, the Father draws us to himself. Lord, may we stop resisting you and finally say yes. Yes, I do accept you, Lord. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, Billy here. I'm the media director here at Polson Foursquare, and I'm glad that you guys could join us this morning. If you guys are looking for more information, you guys can go to polsonfoursquare.org. And if you guys enjoyed the sermon, consider subscribing or sharing it with a friend. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we hope that you have a blessed week.